So we are going to have a conversation that I think is very important in the moment that we are right now in Bitcoin and with a lot of what is happening in the world, really. And I am very happy, Paul, that you have taken time from your schedule to come here and talk to us about drive chains and what they are and what they could mean for Bitcoin. So I am very much looking forward for this conversation. This is going to be recorded and posted as a podcast afterwards for those that can't be here live. But yeah, I think that the best thing to start will be just give a little introduction of yourself in case that some of the listeners may not know exactly who you are. Okay, sure. So I have been a Bitcoin researcher for a while and I wrote a long time ago, I wrote an essay about nothing is cheaper than proof of work. I actually wrote it one before that that was called uh, Long Live Proof of Work back in 2014, and then Adam Back linked to it from bitcointalk.org. And that was like the big break. And then since then, I have been presenting at various conferences. I travel all around the world and go to Bitcoin meetups. And most relevantly, I have been the author of BIP 300 and 301, which is DriveChain collectively. DriveChain is something that uses those two BIPs. The, The purpose of DriveChain is to allow people to switch software so they can switch as if they switch to an altcoin, but it's an altcoin that has no new coins on it. So it's 21 million Bitcoin only, and yet it gives us the freedom to move to a completely different piece of software with new developers who may disagree with each other or may hate each other. They may want completely different things. You have small blockers, large blockers. You could have... ZK Snarks, Ring Signatures, EVM, Ethereum Virtual Machine, whatever, you have all the freedom of launching a completely different piece of software, and you have the freedom of people who just disagree with each other and, and don't like each other. But despite that, there's never a new coin. And so that is the, that's a tiny intro of me and a tiny intro of the idea. Yeah, yeah, that's a great place to begin. I, I think in case people haven't paid a, attention to all the, the drive chain conversations, like what you are, are describing is you're using Bitcoin as the main settlement layer and then you're allowing trustless connections with what we think of as sidechains and you're allowing Bitcoin to be bridged from the Bitcoin main chain into the sidechain and the sidechain doesn't have to work the same way as Bitcoin works. You can create this blockchain with different parameters and you can have something that is more like Ethereum and you can have a sidechain that is more like something like Solana or like Monero. And you can have all these different versions, but it's all tied to the Bitcoin main chain because the way the bridge works, you, you're never breaking that 21 million coins across all the different sidechains they can only be 21 million Bitcoins, yeah? Yes, that's it, exactly. All right, perfect. I encourage the audience to make as many questions as they can, since we have Paul here. I think it's, it's a great way to, to start thinking what this could be for Bitcoin and how it actually works. Manu, is there something you want to add to the conversation? Hi, Paul. 
How are you? This is very Hi, early in, in Argentina, but not so welcome to 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 Panion Chain community first. I've been following you for many years, actually. So very happy that you are with us today. And yes, I have many questions, but maybe trying to go directly to 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 the to the main issue is. After so many years of you proposing this, and I've been reading your proposals and listening to you, and I have never heard about any risk on implementing drive chains. But I have read some, but maybe it would be interesting if we can recap which are the main reasons why some Bitcoiners resist to the BIP 300 and 301. Of course, I'm biased, so you should get it from them. Yeah. <laughs> I really think that they misunderstand the idea, though. I actually think it's all irrational. It's all just a misunderstanding. A lot of it is someone is working on a different L2, so they don't want this to succeed, or even it's a case where someone originally would might want this to succeed. Like, imagine if you really wanted a feature, such as maybe you're like a, a large blocker. You push for large blocks on layer one, and then you don't succeed, and then you try to maybe get the extension block, but then that doesn't work. You try Segwit2x, and then finally you launch Bitcoin Cash, the altcoin. And now it's like the last thing you want is for BTC to actually obtain the feature. You wanted it to be that if large blocks are winning idea, then the Bitcoin Cash would be the winning investments. But I think that that's a lot of it. I don't think, you know, I can give you what they say the risks are, but they don't make any sense. So like people say there's a risk of miners stealing the funds, but it doesn't make any difference because miners are, can already steal the funds from the Lightning Network. And it does, that doesn't matter anyway, because the user is going to choose what type of security model and what kind of risk they would like to take. So, so really none of it matters. You know, like the end user is the one, none of the, you know, every coin starts on L1 main chain. They don't, the user has to voluntarily send them into the Lightning Network or into drive chain. So giving people an option that they might like in the future, it's like you go to your favorite restaurant and there's a new item on the menu. It's, it doesn't matter if it's, it might be bad. But the way it will work in practice is people will put $20 in it first, and then they'll say. So then other people will try to come up with other critiques, some kind of reason that says, okay, how is this going to harm everyone else? And just the, the absurd lengths to which they take some of the reasoning is just so bizarre. They say they have to chain together these weird steps where they have to say, maybe it might give some people an incentive to do this or whatever. So what they say is something like, Miners will make a ton of money from these sidechains because they'll be so popular. And then some miners will not take the money, and those miners will be at a disadvantage, and then they'll go out of business. Which is like, isn't it a ridiculous thing to say? It's literally, it's literally yeah. exactly the same in every way as if they had said something like, some miners will not censor layer one transactions. It's exactly the same. Some miners will censor and some won't. And then the ones who censor, they will pass on transaction fees that they won't get. 
and then they'll go out of business or something. It's just like a miner could do it. Some miners will light their own money on fire, and other miners will not light their own money on fire. And then eventually, it's like the whole point of the difficulty adjustment is that uncompetitive miners are kicked out. So that's always happening. And this is why I tell those critics should we just remove the upward difficulty adjustments from Bitcoin? You know, should we just remove proof of work from Bitcoin? Because that's really the implication of this argument that says we feel bad for some miners that go out of business because they don't take advantage of what this is. And what it really is, it's basically for free. The only requirement is that the miner partner with a sidechain node that already exists, so, which costs basically nothing. So basically for free, the miners all get access to huge amounts of additional revenue in return for basically doing nothing. They do, they have to maybe do a couple of tiny things, but it's basically nothing and it has nothing at all. It's not even comparable to if a new ASIC comes out that's like twice as efficient. Every single miner must have a business plan to up, of upgrading to that ASIC. You can't be half as efficient. So it's no different from what they always do all the time in every other context. So those are some of these weird things to say stuff. They, they make up a bunch of stuff about, like, they try to use bad words and they tie them to this idea. Like they say stuff about MEV, like Ethereum has MEV, minor maximal extractable value, or minor extractable value, depending on who you ask. And these, this is all a misunderstanding of how it works. Whatever def defects the, the sidechain software has, they stay over there. And the... It is merge mining and blind merge mining, BIP301. That transforms all of that into just an L1 transaction fee. So it's already, everything is already firewalled off. Everything is already converted to just L1 transaction fees. So if you're against L1 transaction fees, then would you be against all, removing all L1 transaction fees from Bitcoin itself? So that's my rambling answer. I don't think there are any risks. It, what the idea does is it takes the unused OpNop5 and uses it to count to 13,000 over and over again. That really can't be risky, but even if it were, we could just shut OpNop5 off the exact same way we turned it on. Control-Z. This is probably the least risky concept in all of Bitcoin's history, I think. And... I'm not a technical guy, so for me, you will need to have a lot of patience. From my understanding, there is no risk against, for example, if we compare, for example, with RSK. In RSK, it is a sidechain, and the only difference in implementing a drive chain will be that the pegging so, sorry, the pegout will be trustless. Is that right? Is that correct? My understanding. That's a yes. It's a very. It's hard to summarize, and of course, people have furious debates over what trustless means. But the federated model is deficient compared to the model of BIP three hundred in a few ways. One is the federated model. You have to pick. You have to preemptively choose like a bunch of pub keys that control everything. And the question is, how do you pick this? You say, oh, there's 15 different people or whatever, but you don't really know. They could all be the same person. How do you know? And how do you know that at every stage of the project, they will have an incentive that is aligned with yours? So in BIP 300, it's just big time horizon, three months worth of blocks. 
and the miners, you don't have to pick any identities ever at any point. It's an automatic process. And the miners are already going to be permanently incentive aligned with you because they are the ones who will get all the transaction fees, the, 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 all the future transaction fee revenues, which should be a decent amount and growing probably forever. They get all that and they are the ones who are, they are they're always paid in BTC on all chains, including L1. So they are most sensitive to the Bitcoin price. They're the ones who have already invested. They've invested in ASIC chips. But the best thing of all is that the whole thing is procedural, which is to say it's automatic to add new side chains, drop add side chains, deposits, withdraw. Whereas with the federated model, you have to pick these people. There just has to be a date when you pick them and then there's a fixed group and then the group cannot be changed, which is not good. Whereas in the mining process is constantly, because of the difficulty adjustment, is constantly firing anyone who's an underperformer. So there's more dynamism. But yeah, if you wanted the short answer, I would say yes, that the federated model is trusting some people or trusting with the process that chose those people. Whereas the in BIP 300, it's basically the same idea as L1 Bitcoin itself, where you're trusting in proof of work which is definitely not infallible, but I think it's pretty reasonable. Yes, I think at least it sounds like if you can have something like Rootstock without the, the federation, would that be a better model? And According to them, yes, of course, because they have always insisted since day one that they wanted to not use the federated model and they wanted something procedural and algorithmic. So they have always insisted that they would prefer that and they still insist it to this day. And they're right, I think. Yes, yes. And it's part of the reasons why we, we wanted to have these uh, conversations. That I, I am also surprised that this kind of conversations doesn't happen more often. I o always see in the big podcast scene, the same people going around talking about the same things. And a lot of times, these type of ideas don't get the air they deserve. I just have a little conjecture that like the podcast industry has like evolved a certain way. And there's a lot of just, it's not very much like CNN or Fox news or something where they're just it's telling people what they want to hear. And it is not, it doesn't like the more nuanced and complicated something gets, the smaller the audience gets, which is why. And they want to maximize the number of eyeballs and maximize the number of whatever the ad revenue indirectly, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That, that definitely plays a big role there and they're all businesses making business decisions. But I wanted to ask you about, because you, you said that there's a lot of the, the criticism that drive chains receive that are not very, in, in your view, that don't make much sense. And I, I often wonder if these kinds of criticism that we hear are not just maybe masking something like if I say that drive chains are a good idea, I am validating a lot of experimentation that happened in the altcoin space. And for a long time, a lot of people have been telling us that all altcoins are shitcoins. I don't know if you have any thoughts. No, on that. I think you're that's 100% correct. I think that's exactly what has happened. They worry that in the time between we admit that sidechains 
just any sidechain, you know, because it doesn't have to be BIP300. Any person who had, works on a sidechain technique would validate the altcoin experimentation. And so, yeah, it's, it's like in the time between we admit that's a good idea, we now, then we have to contradict ourselves. We have to say, wow, the EVM, Ethereum, and DeFi, this is the future. And this is part of the future. So then you admit that, and then it's like you have to hope that people will come to BTC. So I think you're 100% right, and I would only add that it speaks to the extreme pessimism that people actually have about Bitcoin. They really think, like, they don't really believe that it will succeed on its merits. They just think it will succeed because of being memed really hard or, like, shutting down conversation about things that the user likes. So they just think it's all like postmodernist arbitrary. It's just a meme. It's just like cultural relativism and whoever's, whoever spreads the, the fastest and whoever's the most intolerant will win. And they don't actually, they don't actually believe in Bitcoin's properties and features is actually something that will easily allow it to defeat uh, rival cryptocurrencies and then the rival fiat currencies. It's an irony. Yes, yes. If you like, if Bitcoin is what it's supposed to be, then it should have no problem competing openly. I think we have a, another guest. Q, QR, do you want to ask a question to Paul? Hi, Thomas. Yes, thanks. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Paul, I guess that a federation for a sidechain uh, should pose any potential risk to the people in the federation, right? But there shouldn't be any risk for the people on layer one, correct? Is there any risk that is posed against drive chains regarding what effect their existence could bring onto other users of Bitcoin layer? I don't really think so. It was designed from the ground up to not ha to like have everything. The whole point of the sidechain idea is to have blame fall on only the right people. So if a sidechain developer creates a terrible sidechain and it's a disaster, then it only affects the, the reputation of the developer who created it and the users over there who may lose their money. I really would flip the question around and say, what risk are we taking in BTC if we really adopt a policy that we permanently will not pursue any alt technology? I think that is the crazy risk to take, especially when we could do it more or less for free. We're going to say that we will never, under any circumstances, no matter what we learn, no matter what is invented, no matter what we learn about our own things that we try that don't really work out, we are just committed to, if anything that was invented anywhere else first, we will not take that thing. I think that's the huge risk. And what could happen on L1, again, on, on L1, it's just counting to 13,000. And it is slightly diluting the focus of the miners. But it doesn't really, if the miner earns like $5,000, uh, let's just say, I'm just making these numbers up or whatever. It doesn't, let's say they're in $5 million a day from L1 BTC. And, they, and then I, we turn this on and they earn additionally $100 million per day. 
So now they earn 105 million. <clears throat> so in one sense, you can say miners' concentration has been diluted. But in a different sense, you can just say they still care about L1 to the tune of $5 million a day. So they care kind of the exact same absolute amount. You know what I mean? It's the, what if they could play, if they play po- poker on the side? And they, so we're going to say that anything that anyone could ever do in the economy is, would dilute miners' concentration. So I just don't see it, really. And I thought about it for a while, and I think what's happening is I think a lot of people are they're just hearing about it for the first time, and they want to take their time thinking through it all. But I just don't, I don't, I just don't get it. What it's like to me, the bigger risk is that Bitcoin is replaced by a different currency, different cryptocurrency. That would be the thing that we should worry about. That we should wake up every day thinking about, okay, what can we do to stop that from happening? Because that will affect the L1 Bitcoin users, right? The price goes to zero. Right. The project's dead. Everyone's humiliated. There is no, there's no mining. If the price falls to zero, there's no proof of work. The whole thing is dead. And I think it's just yes. the network effects of money are very strong. So I think they all compete. Like it's winner take all, loser lose all. Yeah, my point is that if the miners are paid in Bitcoin, in any case, there's no competition there. And if the people that choose to send resources to the sidechain, which is basically to send resources to an address, do it on their own will, under their own will, I don't know how you say that, then uh, there's no problem, right? Because it's like sending your money to, I don't know. Yeah, not to uh, me. And I asked this exact question to, yeah, I asked this exact question to Peter Weil when I was in Amsterdam several years ago. I'm going to be back in Amsterdam next week. But I, I was like, like, I, this basically the same series of questions. Like, is the user is free to destroy their own Bitcoin, right? They're free to send it to Bitcoin Eater Don't Send, which is this address that would eat the Bitcoin because no one knew the private key. But they're also allowed to sell their Bitcoin for goods and services or sell their Bitcoin by an altcoin. So this is just spending your own Bitcoin that you own into a yeah, Bit300 script. Yeah, I see I see that very similar. I live in Ar- Argentina, right? And I see that very similar to some decisions that people in the government take, say, using as an argument that they are taking care for you, so they do not consider uh, you as uh, being enough, have enough uh, autonomy to make your decisions, right? I think that people in Bitcoin should uh, take care of uh, of making the the protocol secure, right? And enforcing that what you want to do is done, right? But nothing else. Uh, I think that I agree yeah, with I you. Yeah, I mean, we're the, the owner. We're the yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with your saying about that. You are free to burn your own Bitcoin if you want to. Yeah, you're the owner. You're the sovereign owner. If it's if you can't do something, if there's stuff with it that you can't do, then you're not really the owner anymore. But yeah, I don't get it. This is I think this is also where this idea is tricky to understand. You have to be very intelligent to understand this whole drive chain idea. But what I mean by that is, it's like the customer is no one who's a Bitcoiner right now. The customer is like someone like who would use Solana or something. And we so that's it's not like. We're, we're, it's deliberately off-brand. It's saying, "Listen, do you want something that was 
that has a node that you no one can run and is an EVM, super fast EVM nonsense chain, and it's like everyone in Bitcoin is like, no. But that's not really the point. The point is the point is like we have a restaurant and we've been serving we serve only one thing. We serve hamburgers. But there's all these other restaurants on the street and it's just like we could sell all that other stuff too and network effects. Network effects are the key to winning. The pe- most people are gonna use the money that their friends use. So every person yeah, you flip I, I can... is like Yeah, I can think for example uh, about uh, the, the biggest uh, um, stable coin, which is USDT, which is outside the blockchain because it's fiat money. For example, if you want to exchange your Bitcoin for dollars for any reason, you would, I don't know, you, you would take that. I don't. I, I don't know if I'm, I'm. I don't know if I'm doing the right economic thought, right? But uh, you are taking the the resources out of the blockchain. But instead, if you are using the uh, the Bitcoin-backed stablecoin like Dorian Chain, then you would be actually keeping your Bitcoin in movement, right? In any case, Bitcoins are always there, right? Because they are you're exchanging them by dollars, but the Bitcoins remain, right? But if then the dollars are used on the side chain, then the bitcoins, in this case miners, right, keep on uh, receiving the, the transaction the fees. Payback. Yes. Yeah, the transaction fees because the dollars are continue to be used in the big bitcoin environment, right? That's uh, one simple reason. But I mean, in the end, it's the same that you said about the miners getting additional fees, right? Yes, and I think an, another point that people often don't think about with the whole drive chain situation, and the way that I'm thinking is that, okay, maybe the Bitcoin more maximalists don't see the value on the altcoin space because of their own reasons. But they should still be able to at least accept that that space is attracting the most amount of developers and the most amount of brain power and mind share is going over there to experiment with all this stuff. So you can bring all these people and have them develop use cases for your asset. I think it's quite, first of all, yes, USDT is so popular. Like the actual people love the product. Like I'm shocked personally. I'm very surprised. But you know, if you go, especially if you go to, if you go to Asia, people, they don't even want to be paid in BTC or in any, they just want USDT. They love USDT. Can't get enough of it. But I think you're right that it, you also, it's not just that you have to think that you don't like any of the altcoins. You also have to say something like in your head, you have to say Bitcoin core is always is the best and will always be the best under all circumstances for everyone. And I just think that it's really bizarre. I just don't understand. Like, when else would we say that? Like, one television show is, like, the best television show for everyone or something. That's, especially now when you have so much turnover and so many people try different ideas. But, yeah, it's so easy to just point at a few ideas because 99% of the altcoins are terrible. And it's very easy to just either point at that in average or to just pick out specific failures <coughs> that are very salient. And that's just a very easy thing to do. But what's 
what should also be easy is to just say, of course, we want a situation where someone could invent some new thing. Because, of course, there was a day before each of us had heard about Bitcoin for the first time. You were coasting through life and you thought the best thing that you had ever discovered was something other than Bitcoin. But then, then you discovered Bitcoin and you're like, wow, this is my new favorite thing. So you can always have a new favorite thing tomorrow, a new favorite thing. If we don't have sidechains, then that thing will have to be a different coin. Whereas if we did have sidechains, it would just, the existing BTC investment would not be disturbed. So it's pretty straightforward, I think. All right, we just lost Rodolfo and Dragnes. I think you, you know him, right? We have it now. Let me add him. Because he was telling me to ask you something, but even better if he asks yourself. Uh, yes, hello. Live. Uh, I have two questions. First, uh, it's more a personal uh, for myself question, which is uh, what needs to happen to change your soft confirmation to the Bitcoins to a strong confirmation to the Bitcoins this November and come down to discuss cross-pollinization with Sergio and, and Alexei from Interlay. Yes. This is one of the... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of traveling, and it's, it's very time-consuming. But I, I really would like to go. Everyone has told me how great it is, and There's it's a really no great conference. better place in the crypto space this year than Argentina in November. That's what I think. So I don't know where you've been <laughs> lately, but I know where you should be in November. Just one country that has nearly hyperinflation a big uh, Bitcoin community. And just now the government has proposed to implement a CBDC. Yes. So it's like perfect place to be in the universe. <laughs> I still need to convince you. Don't, don't forget you. about the elections, Manu. Ah, we have... Oh, yeah, elections. of course. Yeah, that guy. That guy seems like a real... A real, a uh, whole lot of fun. How long, when is the election anyway? It's one week, uh, it's the 22nd of October. Yes, so 22nd is the first election. And if we go to Balotage, if we have a second round, it's on, it's one week after LavitConf, which is 19th of November. Yes, so you could even stay and see if we get a new liberal president on stage um, in Argentina. But this one was one of the things, so... Please keep thinking about coming down to the Bitcoin and have also a live discussion on drive chain itself. Yes, with the Bitcoin community. Okay. No, my, my I would my only uh, my only two cents to this is I, I don't agree really that it's just a thing about we are against uh, everything that happens in the altcoin space. Yes, I think they are that yet have not been uh, some concerns about maybe, yes okay uh, the main uh, thing though is that it only happens on the sidechain world it only it's between the person who constructs the sidechain block and the users who get scammed over there and it has no effect it has no actual effect on anyone on l1 or anyone using any other sidechain so it may It encourages certain types of vertical integration, but not the kind with L1 miners or L1 Bitcoin nodes. And I actually gave a, gave a whole presentation on this long before MEV was invented in a 2016 
in May, if you go to drivechain.info slash literature and you scroll to the very bottom, um, I gave a long presentation about this mm-hmm. idea of the side chains att- attacking each other and affecting each other. And um, this is partly why the, the several overlapping reasons why the miners should be in charge of the sidechain drop ad and the withdrawal, because they will then, if there are sidechains that attack other chains, then the miners will have to weigh that against any benefit that chain adds to the rest of the Bitcoin community. So they should optimize the whole thing. But there's no sense in which they are like led into any kind of disaster or something. It's all just conditional payments to mine. Like miners get $5 if something happens. So the MEV thing, I think is just the giant. The, it's, the timeline is like we made an Ethereum sidechain and then Ethereum talked about MEV. So then people thought, oh, that will bring MEV to Bitcoin. But it's, it's only bringing MEV to the Ethereum sidechain. Yeah, but my, 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 my side question was related to, to in, in Bitcoin space, you have things that come and go. You have discussions that come and go, and we don't take a, a immediate action. Yes, and discussions take two, three, four years. Um, though DriveChain has been running since long, yes, in the space as a discussion. Do you think this is a matter of time, or do you think it's a matter of touch? I mean, uh, I think this discussion will will finish in a positive way, or or, or do you think this? How are you feeling the the drive the chain discussion? Because shortly, we, uh, a few months ago, we have active the discussion again. So, what do you think it will eventually happen with it? I think the long run, it will. It must eventually happen for because there's all kinds of different things that will eventually happen. There will be the security budget issue in the very, very long run. The miners will want to get paid. Instead of getting a diminishing amount of money that shrinks to zero, they would want to have a growing amount of money that asymptotically approaches the infinities, but that's one. The other one is that more people will be more creative, more alt tech will be invented. So there will be stuff that is actually good, that's not just like aspirational. There'll be like stuff that does what you might call, uh, there'll be like cool privacy tech, there'll be cool scaling tech, there'll be all this cool stuff, like whatever, ZK Snark, people invent, eventually someone will invent something that's so new that it makes the ZK Snark look like just a Merkle tree or something. People keep inventing new stuff. I think also a lot of problems in Bitcoin, like the cult problem will get worse. The idea that it becomes, this is mostly, I think, just North American Twitter, but it's just like the idea that only a certain set of views is correct and everything else is just shrinking ratchet turning that where it's basically saying yeah like eventually everyone will just get canceled it'd be like the political left people cancel themselves so that will become more intolerable uh i think also like people will slowly add things like covenants or whatever or they'll add opcat or something and since all that you need for, for BIP300 is to count to 13,000, someone will just eventually figure out how to do that in some kind of hacky roundabout way. And, and at that point, it will just make no sense not to stop BIP300 because you'll just have an inefficient BIP300 that wastes a bunch of bytes and, and probably memory and consumption and all kinds of other stuff. There's many overlapping reasons why I think it will eventually, it will eventually, um, happen. I think it probably was a better idea in 2015. 
I ignored it because it, everyone's, we went with Segwit and we went with all the, in different directions. So I was just like, fine, whatever. And it seemed like we were doing fine. The big question was how to deal with the large blockers. Then they forked off. And they forked off and the price of Bitcoin skyrocketed. And then like whatever, COVID happened and the government printed a bunch of money and the price went up. So in all in all, things have gone just fine. That's why I neglected to push the idea more actively until recently. But that's my kind of rambling answer. Thank you, Paul. I have one question. Is, do you think is because I read and I listened to many people just shouting against BIP 300. And, and also I understood that the, the miners has, uh, are able to implement this as a sort soft fork. Uh, correct me, I'm not a technical guy. Yes, that's uh, correct. And is it possible for driving, drive chain just to be in, implemented with that soft fork? And if you oppose, there is nothing you can do because from my understanding, no one can oppose Rustock because it's it is happening outside, and a miner is is choosing to mine. They, they, that's yes. the only. You are correct. There's no sense in which someone could stop the miner-activated soft fork of BIP 300, except in this in the very narrow, uh, exceptional sense that they could try to stop anyone from using Bitcoin. You know, they could blacklist a certain UTXO or something, but you'd be playing cat and mouse if you did that. Uh, and it would, they would, you know, ultimately the winners would be, you'd either have to remove proof of work from Bitcoin or something else, something equally as drastic. So basically the answer is that yes, miners could activate at any time. And something weird that I would like to stress is that we could actually have drive chains with no soft fork. It would just be that because the soft fork is to keep the miners on a short leash. and But you could do it as a kind of just handshake deal with the miners today. The miners could all just agree, okay, we will follow these rules. There's no code enforcing it necessarily. So the, any miners, they don't have to run the 13,000 count. They don't have to do the three-month slow withdrawal. But you would have something that works immediately. But that would actually be not very good because it involves much more trust among all the participants and much more likelihood that uh, someone will get stolen from. So these are all bad things. And that's why well, we want BIP 300 to constrain the miners. We want, that's the goal. The, you, we don't necessarily even need the soft fork, need it per se, but there's no reason not to pursue it. The modern hatred of the soft fork is very irrational and I think must come to an end because it's just this bizarre situation where the soft fork is this great invention where only the people who want to use it should be like some various miners and a few miners and a few users, like 55% of miners and the few users who want to opt in, those are the only ones who must upgrade. And so this is a very voluntarist useful institution, and it was unfortunately ruined partially by SegWit being a block size increase, uh, being a mandatory block size increase, I think. But, okay, I have to go for now, but I'll be back. Okay, guys, I managed to come back for now for just a little more time, I think. But anyway, what's this about Moon Settler saying? What is this about increasing profitability with increasing share of hash rate? That's no more true of the side chains than it would be of reorg risk on 
L1. Their argument around that was that, that actually it is different. And I'm not sure, not sure which is better, actually. But if you would reorg, so let's say that you would have to reorg L1 to replace a sidechain block by replacing the bid, that would mean the person who made the bid is actually getting their coins back because that transaction would be invalid and, and basically it did not happen. So it would actually de-risk uh, the, the blind merge mining operation from no, for non-mining pools. Uh, but uh, we probably don't... But uh, I think both Bitcoiners are not too keen on, on, on having uh, L1 reorgs duke out this kind of stuff. So I don't think most people would prefer that, but that would be one solution to, to the issue at hand. Yeah, but what is the issue now? The issue is that someone... Did you read the article, Paul, by the yes. way? Uh, big... yeah. Yes, of course. Snoopy doesn't have, he doesn't have real thoughts, you don't understand. At the bottom of the piece, he starts with a blank piece of paper, and he writes, therefore, drive chain is a bad idea. And then he just tries to connect and try to connect. All of it is really legitimate. But why don't you go ahead and... So, whatever you think it is that he came up with. So, yeah, so the, the entire reason that I even came up in this space is just, just to share and, and mention that post that I made. I tried to share it, but I did not see it. I, didn't, I don't see the nest, so I shared it three times. Oh, damn it. Yes, Anyhow. No, I, I just shared the Bitcoin Magazine article from that you were talking about uh, a couple yeah. of minutes ago from Shinobi. Yeah. Uh, so what I wanted to yes, say... But you know that each time, though, I give a huge reply, though. It's in my Twitter right. highlights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So what, what is the actual... Say, right. oh, uh, what, I, what I came up here to say is that I feel you are making a really bad job of... I'm not saying steelmanning, but just representing the, the gist of the critique. Yes, what, what uh, is that, it then? What, what is the critique then? Why don't you tell the me? Critique, uh, it's in the post. That... That line yeah, there, but in what that, way is someone have more with someone with more hash rate become more profitable? Because they decrease the risk. They, first of all, they really don't have to bid in the mempool, so they lower the risk by not bidding in the mempool, and they also decrease the risk of getting the sidechain. No, but I think so again, this things? is a big. Uh, the blind merge mining is only supposed to happen when the full node is very expensive. So it's just a partnership. It's just if the miner chooses to partner with a full node that they don't run themselves, it just makes that trustless and private. It doesn't change anything else. Yeah. So the other part of this that Shinobi was more focused on. Yeah, but what was the first what was the first part? The first part was this. Simply this. If there is significant MEV, if there is a lot of money, like multiple times of what is Bitcoin's uh, subsidy and they have on fee revenue, multiple times of the 10 times, 100 times, whatever, coming in total from sidechains. Uh, right. Yes. So when, when you have when you have that that situation, let's say, because that would be like the desirable outcome in some way. So if someone is very bullish on drive chains, someone wants drive chains to solve this, then that is their like ideal scenario. That drive chains are very successful and a lot of right? yes. lot of this yes. lot of this. Yes. So in that case, it is absolutely very significant how much risk someone exposes themselves in rhinemage mining and the whole vertical integration and centralization arguments is trying to highlight that this can actually, this changes the deal that we have with mining pools right now, where with the size of the mining pool, you only have decreased variance. That, that's the only thing you have 
and the it's diminishing also, returns. No, there's yes, because there's also a diseconomy of scale, which is the block withholding. I'm sure if you're totally familiar. You are breaking up, Paul. I'm sorry. I'm not hearing you. Do you guys hear Paul? No, maybe he's stunning. I don't know if I can do anything differently about whatever this no, is, but... Now we can listen to you. You okay. are on a train, so it's probably normal. Uh, I think yeah. you just have to deal with this. All right, so, so the point okay. is... Yes, but so, the pools have so, economies and diseconomies of scale. And they, right now, there are various sizes. Some are big, some are small. Yeah. Almost none of them are less than 2%. That's yeah. the current size. The point is, if, if you introduce a dynamic where, whereby by de-risking the blind merge mining activity, you can actually create like significant differences in revenue per, per terahash with the pool sizes. And that's bad for Bitcoin. No, but why? No, but why? why is that different? What do you mean by is it different? It's, is that, so you just take the blind merge mining revenues and just imagine that they're L1 fees. It's one L1 fee that pays a huge amount versus yeah, everyone so, paying slightly more. So if everyone yeah, so, paid slightly so this, more this is L1 the point. fees, then... This is the point. After, after no, vertical, no. There is no bidding in the mempool after a while because it's economically ruinous. And that's the point with the, with the vertical integration and economy of scale argument is that no, I it don't will think simply not happen. And at that point, the small pools are just completely fucked. Like they are raking in like fifth or tenth or hundredth of the revenue than the big pools are per terahash. And that's game over. Yeah, but why? Like, why were they I'm, raking a different amount of money? Yeah, by the way, this no, what do you mean? What why, why do you keep saying for, yes? You haven't actually explained for, anything. I, I'm saying yes because. <laughs> By asking that question, it answers my real question. Yes. I, I was I was curious if you understand these arguments. Basically, that's what that's no, what my main correct. question. And if you are saying no, it's, you, you it's don't you understand them, you don't understand yeah. them. <laughs> Listen, okay, what you're you, saying is yes. So what you're saying is the vertical integration means that I don't even know what you're saying. But I know what Shinobi was saying was he was misunderstanding the reorg risk would be discounted. I'm saying that okay, say it then. after a while, if, if this dynamic that has been outlined there is going on, after a while, there simply will be no not vertically integrated sidechain block finder because they will okay. go bankrupt. And so after wait, wait. that, after no, 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 this no, no, vertical no. integration... Are you saying... No, stop. Can you just say that whether or not you believe everyone will use 301 or not? What do you mean, everyone? What do, I, what do you mean? What do I, are people, when you say vertically integrated, you mean they are not using BIP301, they're running nodes of everything? They can technically use that, it, but, but they will not be no in the mempool. Because the, there is what a are, difference what, between, what are, there is a difference, Paul, there is no, a difference. Is, if you bid with the mempool, with, with, with what, what you find... BIP301 like does not require anything to be in the mempool. Yes, if that's vertically integrated. That's the point. If, we, yes, but why do you say if then? It makes no difference. Okay, so when, the, when by the time, whatever, the vertical integration happens, it will not be in the mempool. It, there will be no significant bids in the mempool. There, that if, means small miners 
either either run the sidechain nodes or they don't get that revenue basically and even if they try to get that revenue they have enormous reorg risks compared to the big players who find dogs much more often and, and can say But don't you understand this no this is why it's a contradiction now why you understand that when you say the small miners at a disadvantage that's only because yes. they must run a sidechain node but that's exactly not, what the only, one allows only. them to escape not it only allows them to escape when the bidding happens in the mempool that's the only scenario and the problem with running a sidechain node it will only provide like 20 or 50 of the miner extractable value by collecting the fees. no that's not true so that's not true find, at all find, find, no, finding the correct. mev we don't no, know wrong. how intensive how can I, you i know, well, instead, I know you're such you... a smart guy and yet you fall for all this bs so obviously Listen. false You don't really I know, understand. I know how... you disagree on that. I know you disagree on that. On the other hand, but we, why I, do I, I disagree? Wow, dark matter. I don't you disagree understand? because because I understand the argument, and I I not, don't necessarily see it happening, but I understand the argument that there is literally no upper bound on the computation required to extract the maximum MEV. There is no upper bound on that in the protocol no or, or, or in anything. No, that has literally yes. nothing to do with it at all. No, it's literally nothing uh, whatsoever. But it has. It has because if you can't extract... No, listen, let me just... Okay, could you just stop talking? Could you just... You could you please just stop talking for a second while I explain it to you? Okay. If, if there's MEV on the side chain, then someone on the side... This is what I explained to Alex B, and this is why he deleted his space in a humiliation, but I have a copy of it. The... If there's MEV on the side chain, someone will... There's like a... The searcher will optimize the block not only for the L2 transaction fees but also for the MEV added value. So say it's $5 worth of fees and $2 worth of added value. Are you following this so far? Yes, but I would prefer if you said $2 of fees and $20 of added value. Two. What difference does it make? What what did it you prefer? Makes, it makes a it makes a difference because running the sidechain node will give you two dollars, and running a fucking okay. huge map searcher will give you twenty yes. dollars. Okay, fine. That's exactly what doesn't matter at all. So this is when you say stuff like that. That's when I know that you didn't read any of the stuff. You didn't even read bit three hundred one. You didn't I read did. the post. Well, the person who bids in the mempool will pay twenty dollars. So they pay nineteen point nine. That person will have nothing to do with L1 BTC or a Bitcoin full node at all. I so have from, more, the, but from the point of view second. of the miners, it won't make any difference if it comes from MEV or from L1 transaction fees. None whatsoever. You, you are back to bidding in the mempool. And we, we just left that word in the argument before. And you are back to bidding in the mempool. But we are sure. talking in a vertically integrated world where those that run the sidechain nodes, small miners, are getting $2 per block. And those no, that run an, the MEV searcher are or. getting $20. No, absolutely not. How can you say that? How can you? Why do you keep repeating that when it's not true at all? Because yep. this is my understanding. I could be wrong. It's I completely could be wrong. Yes, you wrong. are wrong. Now let me explain But something else. Is... The the issue of whether or not they choose to run the sidechain node, which in my view includes the MEV. Just say every sidechain node is an MEV node. Just assume that's the case. It makes no difference. Now, when you say the vertically integrated world versus the non-vertically integrated world. It's if you're playing rock, paper, scissors, and one of them is paper and the other is rock. 
you could switch back and forth however you like till the cows come home. So it makes no difference if the argument is built on one or the other because the miner can just flip-flop whenever they like. So if the sidechain node is producing enormous profits that exceed revenues, if they do that, then it makes no difference. And they can... Oh, I'm sorry, one second. Can you guys give me a second? Sorry about that. Yes, so the side... Yes. The sidechain, it's like... It doesn't matter if the person who is bidding in the mempool in the 301 world, they run basically a different version of a sidechain node that collects more fees. Okay? Okay, Paul. That, that, but person, you that, assume, that person is you not. The cost. I know, but this is what you don't under, seem to understand. Either the cost is low, in which case it makes no difference if the miner runs it or not, or it's high, in which case the miners will start to shirk, some of the smaller miners will start to shirk it by just partnering with a node that already exists. So it's only the small miners that will use 301. If okay. the, argument about, the argument about the reorg risk is also wrong though, because there's no additional reorg risk if you are small pool any more than there is with regular Bitcoin core today. If there was, though, it wouldn't even make any difference. Like, none of this makes any difference at all. But so, for example, the, the bidding in the L1 mempool, the if you bid up to, let's say you only bid half of the value of the block, this will lead to decreased revenues for everyone using 301. And then they will try to figure out a way of stopping that from happening. But even if they didn't, and even if none of that mattered, all that would mean ultimately is that the, all the pools, they, we live in a world where there are 25% pools instead, or pools of some different shape or size, and none of that makes any difference either. It's because of so pools. So what's, what's, the the what's the cheapest move? Or what's the cheapest move for the small miner that does not get that sweet uh, sidechain revenue? Which, like join the 5% pool. Times. The whole point join, is you're join, a, small join miner. A... a small miner is doomed without a pool anyway. So we should be very grateful that pools exist because otherwise there would be no, yes. it would be impossible to have small miners. So this is just another restatement of that. So it's irrelevant in that way as well. It's just completely irrelevant, like in five different ways. This makes absolutely no difference. This is yes. so, fake well, you are, you're, you're making, created by you're making logical mm -hmm. jumps, Paul, and then you no, can come to the conclusion it's irrelevant, but no. You are ignoring the core arguments, I believe. And, and it's okay. It's completely fine if you don't understand each other. That just means we have to talk more. No, I um, understand them all. I'm not sure because uh, you are saying things that this is irrelevant, that won't happen, that just don't make sense to me. What difference would it even make if everyone had to join a 5% pool? That's already the world that we live in. So even if all this, everything you said, none of which is really true, um, but even if it was, it wouldn't make any difference. Okay. Uh, anyhow, my main point was basically that this is a better representation. What, what, I, what I wrote is a better representation of the opposing arguments than what you said in the beginning. I listened to it. So that, that was my main argument. Well, I, I don't, I don't really want to get... So let me, let me, how about this? I can explain it like this in a different way. Let's say the miners partner with a L2 full node in some way other than BIP301 such that 
someone gets a reward, they get the payment on L2, not in the L1 mempool. But it's just based on, because the whole point of, the whole point, it's so hard to even know where to begin because none of it makes any difference anyway, because the whole reason I invented blind merge mining, which I think I regret at this point, because it just gives more fuel to the hopelessly confused people out there. So I think, because the whole problem isn't real anyway, because it doesn't matter what the miners, first of all, it doesn't matter what miners' fixed costs are, because if their fixed costs rise, then the, the difficulty adjustment will just decrease. But it also doesn't matter because every miner shirks the fixed costs. They shirk the node costs. They have one node that does all the work for everyone, which there's nothing bad about that at all. It's a superstitious belief that there's something bad about that. And then the belief that the, the sidechain node costs can rise and become significant is also false. It's just not possible because plenty of regular users must be running the sidechain node for free, people who aren't mining at all. Oh, so the okay, whole okay, thing okay, is okay. like... Paul, so like I agree with, I agree with most of whole, that. Paul, it's all just nonsense. Uh, I agree with most of what you said, but the one thing that I just don't understand how you can come to this jump, this reach, is that the assumption that there is no significant difference in cost to running a sidechain node and to find the maximum MEV, especially when we are talking about uh, weird stuff like cross-domain MEV. And, and okay, go explain it to you. No because I agree with you that we have a pretty significant disagreement there. The cost is not relevant, though. You have to. This is why I asked. I asked Alex to write down a numeric example, and that's why I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. Just write it down on a piece of paper. The sidechain is going to pay hundred dollars in fees. And if you pay, the sidechain node costs three dollars, so it's ninety-seven. But if you run a more expensive node that costs another forty dollars, then you can collect another three thousand dollars in fees. So it's whatever that is, two thousand nine hundred and sixty plus thirty-seven. So it's three thousand and seven or whatever. I don't know. Don't do math live on a recorded space. But so now it's that is that number and that doesn't even matter you see what i mean this is a palace affair it has nothing to do with l1 on l1 they'll bet up to 3,006.99 and no one will know no one will know okay. if it came from mev or something so, else so basically again i believe this is where the main disagreement is that some people say that the expertise that is required for extracting a significant amount of MEV and the computational upper bound. And by the way, this is a very different computation than it is required for hashing uh, for Bitcoin. Of that course, less, but less, again, less, 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 dense, less dense physically and have different properties. So even more prone to centralization than Bitcoin mining because people, miners are getting pretty good at packing miners yeah, into yeah, containers and ship, 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 shipping them into remote locations. But uh, let's this say is more that, let's say that if you do the ME, in order to do the MEV, you have to cut off your own legs. So it doesn't matter how expensive Yeah, yeah. So the, the point is, I feel this is some disconnect is that people are, are saying that this expertise and this computational power that is pretty much unbound by the protocol that, that can be required for this 
they are saying this is a centralizing effect and will affect minor decentralization. And you are right, saying but it won't, that it's yeah, it yeah, you are saying that this is complete nonsense and it's not even worth entertaining and they are wrong. But I don't think they understand your reason for saying that. And I'm not sure that you understand their reason for saying that. And so this is a weird situation. There is no sense in which you can gain more money by running the searcher as an L1 miner versus as the, the sidechain BIP301 bidder person. But you can accept that it's possible that it will have a cutoff limit for these in computation and cost and infrastructure where certain size players will be excluded. No, 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 but this doesn't make any, I told you, it doesn't matter if it, you have to cut off your legs to do it. It doesn't matter how expensive it is because the L1 miners aren't paying. The L1 miner pays nothing. They don't even pay the sidechain full node costs in 301. And 301 only applies if the costs are significant anyway. If the costs are insignificant, then it's a moot point and it makes no difference who pays because right, no one well, cares. I wish I could understand what well, you mean you when see, you said if you this, go... this sentence. I, I don't understand okay. what you mean by right. that. You just wipe things off the table, basically. Then, that's what happens. But you have to write an example and you have to follow the BIP301 logic. You understand the person who's bidding, the person who's bidding, they are someone on L1 who has their own sidechain node. Maybe they don't show it to anyone else in the whole world. But they only show it to two or three other people. The L1 miners never see it. The, on 301, they bid in the L1 mempool and they say, put this hash in this certain spot and we will pay you and I will pay, I, the sidechain, Simon, the sidechain full node, pays Mary, I will pay you $3,006. And the miner has no idea what's going on in the sidechain. Oh, that's why it's called blind merge mining. So they have no idea. They just know the hash. And they say, okay, someone is betting $47 to put this hash in for sidechain slot three, and someone is bidding $3,006. So, so how exactly... This bid is not atomic with the payout. We already told about this. This bid is a very risky thing. It's not atomic with the payout. It's the risk. It has a risk. But the key is it has risks. But those risks are already, those are inherent to, it has no US dollar purchasing power risk. So the sidechain is paying, maybe the sidechain is paying eight Bitcoin. But because it's a sidechain that reorgs frequently, or because it's a sidechain where the withdrawal is very slow, it, that eight Bitcoin is only worth $3,000. But it has an objective value because these are new Coinbase transactions and not L2 transactions. So maybe if it was eight L2, they'd be worth like 36,000 each or something. I, I think we should take the mod to the Friday drive chain space, if it's okay with, because I'm afraid okay. we will lose. We will lose a lot of people if this yes. continues. And then I really want to right, understand fine. you. I really want well, to understand you. Go to the highlights and find where I reply to Tidwell. And then I have four slides with happy faces. And then maybe that will help. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, we, we will definitely talk about that because I have something to say about it. All right. Okay, great. Guys, I also I have to go again in about 10 or 12 minutes. So, yes. Love to... Don't worry. We've been like, I think, two hours already. We have, yeah. I, I will leave only if you Let's have try to get some cool questions. If someone has yeah. any like really new question or whatever or something, then let's we'll see if we can get anyone. Yes, hello.
listening to me? He is muted. Oh, there we go. Yes, hello. When it comes to running a public company, how do you guys feel about marketing this to people? Because so far, the reception I've seen from the boardroom has been not very positive. People aren't really receptive. I'm wondering, how do you guys going forward? I, I know it's a matter of, of mining and it's, it's a large global enterprise, but what's the plan? I think I don't actually want everyone to understand it. So I have layer2labs.com slash friends list, which is like many of the top uh, people. Hold on, Henry from Blockfire over there still? Sorry, I didn't understand what you said. Henry from Blockfi, is he still over there? Yes. Hell yeah. Henry's a good friend of mine. We go way back. Yeah, he's pretty nice. He made the list, actually. He started that list. So that was his idea and his uh, project. So I think a lot of people, I've actually seen this before many times. Like I remember in 2013 when Peter Todd was hated by everyone for supporting small blocks. And then like people came around to his point of view. And then like Jeremy Rubin, everyone hated him a year ago, two years ago. Now everyone likes CTV, so it's a lot it's of a this is just. If, Do you feel if you like go, if you meet people in person are very you know supportive? Usually, I mean, I get invited, and people even pay for me to come and speak at their meetup, and I get invited to spaces like this all the time. You heard that they're trying to get me to come to La Bitcoin and all this other. So people, so there, it's true. There's a few people on Twitter who don't like it, and you can't you. You have to do what's best for most people most of the time. And there's really no possibility ever of doing something that will please literally 100% of the people all the time, especially if they don't read the BIPs or download the test software or make any kind of real attempt to understand what they're talking about. And especially in this particular industry where lots of people will gain or lose money as a result of which investments are pay off or become popular or something like that. So I think it is. it hasn't been going great. I did uh, make some changes as a CEO and probably those were oh, It's tough. Yes, it is tough and you have to take responsibility for everything even when it's other people who are disappointing you. <laughs> but uh, It's just, it gets tough. There's going to be tribulations. It's the kind of thing where as you receive some kind of pushback, what would you say if you wanted to be? I know you're not a salesman, Paul. I know that's not the attempt here. I, I get it. True, I'm not, right? That make me understand. Like, why would I want to change Bitcoin? Yeah, I think partly it's there is no real the idea of it changing Bitcoin is it's partly true because of the soft fork, but it's also partly false because of the soft fork because nothing that any node, nothing that your existing node is doing today will change at all as a result of BIP300 activating. It's just an improvement, that's all? It, it's more than that. You don't even have to upgrade your software and it will do exactly what it was doing before. So every time you are sent money, it will measure confirmations for you and it will check signatures and it will check the block size limit and it will check all these things for you. So it's not as much of a change, but I do think that I was ready for this to some extent. There's some things that don't bother me at all. So like when the critique is completely false, it's weird. Like, see, I like Moon Settler so much so that when he, I get very agitated when he falls for whatever this weird, mis what I think is a weird misdirection or just something that is, where people don't even, they don't really, really care about the truth. And they, like Alex B or whatever, has just made something up and now people trip over it for months later. But what doesn't bother me at all is when people would say, oh, this is bringing shit coins to Bitcoin or something. Yeah people clearly don't get it at all, then I just think they weren't paying attention before. Now I have their attention. They aren't, they aren't right, but they'll figure it out. Eventually, it will be very obvious as this oh, idea has oh, already... 
crude, but yes. you sound like a Litecoin guy when you say it like that. Eventually, they'll see it. I, I <laughs> so. No, well, let me explain what I mean by that, because what I mean is it, the technology will be tried on other things like it, or tried on altcoins or tried on Litecoin. There's itself. 80 million of them. It's, it's found. So, and so eventually people will learn, even if they just want to do a critique or if they just want to, <laughs> they'll have to learn something about it. And then they'll see that there really is no Zcash, the altcoin on Litecoin. It's just Litecoin now has private addresses where you hide the sender, the receiver, and the amount. And they'll see that nothing bad is happening. Nothing else is happening as a result. So they'll eventually learn all about all of that. And so that's why I, it's inev that, that type of thing is inevitable. So many of the errors are easier to correct. It's just a matter of time. And uh, But yeah, it's difficult. I think, though, it has been going pretty well, to be honest with you. If you what you can actually do is you could say, you can go back six months. Oops. You can go back six months and find ask yourself something like, how many people were talking about this idea at all? And then it was like maybe 95% uh, negative, 5% positive. But then now it's probably like 80% negative, 20% positive. And if you actually just plot it on a line graph, I actually think that it's only a matter of a few more months to be honest with you. Sorry, I didn't quite hear what you said. War of tradition? Is that out of the art of war? Where do you, what makes you... Oh, yeah, war of attrition. I think it is just... I'm not sure how I would describe it, but I would say that it is... It's just a matter... It's like a matter of just continuing to explain why the idea is good. As I mentioned in the first half, there's a sense in which... New stuff will be invented all the time, new covenants and new other ways of which counting the 13,000 will be invented, new, new altcoin tech is invented, miners will get greedier and want more fees, and their desire for fees will, be, will increase. So I think it's, it is an inevitability. Because for me, it's a long-term thing. I, I look at it like, why would I introduce something that I don't understand? for a slight short-term game when I know everybody's looking long-term. I agree. I 100% agree with that, which is part of why it has moved so slowly over the last eight years. Weirdly, though, it's only by pushing for it aggressively that now people have actually decided to learn about it. So that's bizarre. But another thing I would say is, even though I agree with what you're saying, the implication is not very good because the implication is no one in Bitcoin will be able to do anything unless everyone in the world understands that thing. And that just means we're only going to be able to do a very small percent, the most unremarkable percent of all the things that are... Yeah, I disagree. I like as a secret club. When I talk to people, uh -huh. people in the world they don't understand, I like it. I don't <laughs> recoil or say, you must take this orange pill. My name is Morpheus. Yeah. The first movie, the third uh -huh. movie. Huh? It doesn't work. Yeah. It's a secret club, and we better get used to that. That's how it's going to be. Yeah. All right. Anyway, guys, I have to go very soon. So maybe the last question for today, and then come on Friday if you wish. Yes. Remember, everyone, on Friday, Layer 2 Labs, uh, I, that's the name of the account, Paul. Yes, that's right. The, the, you have a place every Friday to talk about Bitcoin 300 and, and drive chains. So I've been there. I'm a fan of, of that spaces. So please, everyone that is listening to this, want to go deeper and to discuss about this with Paul. He's normally there. <clears throat> so Friday, I think, what time is in, in Europe? 
on Friday. Normally, it's one o'clock in Argentina normally, but <laughs> midday. Anyway, it's on Friday, so search uh, for breaking up a little bit, but uh... yeah. Don't worry, don't worry, Paul. <laughs> so I think uh, Moon Settler has his right, uh, his hand raised, so maybe he he wants to, to yeah. do a, a last question. I just want to ask Paul that how he sees this because it appears to me that uh, there is some wider consensus on that side chains will be a reality or of course there is a huge disappointment in, in what we have accomplished so far so there is some some lashback uh, from the early enthusiasm but basically the two philosophies that are seem to be battling here is that miners should get the fees from the sidechains versus miners should not get the fees from the sidechains. That's kind of how the directions seem to be boiling down. What do you think about it? I think that's correct. I agree that is the basic dichotomy. And that I think ultimately it's going to be very important for the miners to get the fees because of the difficulty adjustment. And also because... <laughs> but also it's because the miners are the ones who can censor they can censor any message they can censor any message from the chain and as a result they are the ones who ultimately control what the contents of the blockchain are and so that's why they're feasible okay I think you, maybe you are I don't know if you're still in the train or whatever Paul don't worry I think we've yeah, it, been, it was like, almost like the speaker just waiting for Paul to start speaking. We are more than two hours and 20 minutes since we started. So again, Paul, thank you for your time. Okay. Thanks uh, for inviting me, guys. I'll be invite me again. It'll be fun. And come on Friday. See you. Yes. Bye bye. Thank you. So bye, everyone. Thank you for joining this space. Normally we have these spaces on Tuesday, this has been by far our longest Twitter space uh, in English. So please join us next Tuesday on these talks with Sato. Actually, we had one last question that I didn't ask to Paul, but this is a question that we will keep so we can do another space with Paul. So thank you all for joining.